Hello, are we on the air yet? Welcome to the Core Performance Podcast, taking you one step closer to self-mastery on and off the course. Fire up that growth mindset, and let's dive into the core of elite golf and human performance. Now, here's your hosts, Ian Highfield and Andrew Losey. Hey, Core Performance Podcast listeners, it's Andrew Losey here. Today, our guest is a professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour, ranked number one in driving distance on the Corn Ferry Tour at 324 yards, a little bit longer than Bryson. He has a very interesting background with golf, an amazing story to be told. So today, I'm happy to welcome Brent Grant to the Core Performance Podcast. Brent, how are you today? Doing well, man. I appreciate you having me. It's going to be fun, a lot of fun. Awesome. Brent, so can you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about um, yourself and kind of what you've been up to in this off season in this in these winter months. So I guess I'll start with what I've been up to. Um, so yeah, I mean, just you know, obviously after the COVID uh, years, um, there there was a lot of a lot of body maintenance and a lot of uh, a lot of things to be done uh, to get ready for this next season. So you know, I've taken a lot of time off. Um, you know, I've I've kind of found a couple of hobbies, which is nice. Um, and, you know, obviously spent some time with the family and whatnot. Um, but now we're, we're back to work and, uh, hitting the gym pretty hard and, and, uh, you know, getting to work on, on the short game and all the things that we need to make sure that are, are, uh, sharp, uh, so we can kind of hit the ground running. Um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of the, the, awesome. And, and Brent, well, I'm sure we'll get into kind of your last season and what, and what you're looking forward to for the for the new year. But uh, before we do that, I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of your background as a kid. Um, you've got a really interesting story. Didn't really start playing golf until your teenage years. So can you tell us a little bit about your athletic life growing up and, and the sports you played and then how you ended up, uh, you know, I guess kind of stepping into golf? Yeah. So, I mean, not, not unlike a lot of kids, uh, you know, I played a, a few sports play, uh, growing up. Um, you know, baseball, basketball, football, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, didn't, didn't really touch a golf club, uh, like you said, until, you know, I was a teenager until, until I was about, you know, 12, 13 years old. Um, but, you know, even to this day, baseball is still, uh, still the sport that I would, I would give anything to play at a high level. Um, yeah. So that's sort of, that was sort of where I got a lot of, uh, a lot of the, Rota- rotation power ro- yeah rotation power and and uh sure you know that, that that was that was sort of the that's sort of the gist of of how I grew up as far as athletically and then and then obviously as I as I uh you know learned and, and sort of taught myself more and more about the game uh swing and and whatnot um you know I had some good mentors going growing up um in Hawaii but uh yeah I mean it was just you know I've, I've been blessed to have like a steady rise um you know, I've gotten better uh, every single year, and uh, hopefully, it continues. Yeah, hopefully. So, so when you were growing up, was there right? We hear we hear some of these stories. Like, um, there's a, a real famous hockey player, one of the best hockey players ever, by the name of Bobby Orr, who um, grew up and was just a you know a step above the rest. Was that was that kind of like you growing up with with all your sports, or was it just you know, you just kind of stumbled into playing some really awesome golf or did you always know that 
you know, you were, you were an athlete and you were, you know, just a step above the rest. What was, what was that like? Um, I, I would definitely not say that, 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 uh, I would not say that, uh, I was a step above the rest as far as, uh, in each individual sport, obviously there were, there was always things that I could do better than others. Um, you know, I was always pretty quick growing up, um, had a, had a pretty big arm, um, you know, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I have a mind for, for, you know, the games that I'm, that I'm playing. So, um, but you know, there, there are always people that, that could outshoot me, out jump me out, out throw me, you know, outrun me, whatever. Um, you know, but then, you know, when it came to golf, you know, I was at a severe disadvantage. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up playing it. I didn't, I didn't necessarily have, uh, you know, a teacher that, that was guiding me or, or the best equipment or anything like that. Um, you know, my dad just sort of, um, you know, made me earn, uh, all the clubs that I got. Um, and so, yeah, as I, as I got older, uh, you know, through high school and whatnot, you know, I began to realize that, that there were people that, that are, were astronomically better than me. Um, you know, at, at 16 years old, when I made it to the USAM, I played with a 19 year old kid that was hitting it 60, 70 by me and wow. was talking about being a professional. And I'm like, I'm sitting here in the same event as this guy. Uh, yeah. You know, so obviously that's not uh, the, the normal, uh, you know, I am by no means a phenom, but right. um, sure. you know, I, I, I'd like to think that, that uh, you know, when, when all is said and done, you know, maybe in, in 20 or 30 years when I'm all, you know, when it's all said and done that, that, um, that I, that I continue to got to get better. And, and, uh, right. you know, I proved that, that you don't necessarily need to start when you're, you know, a baby, uh, and you yeah. definitely, you definitely don't need, you know, all of the financial support in the world just to, just to be able to play, uh, at a high level. Right. So, so let me ask you about, about that, that kind of your environment when you when you step into golf at 12 or 13 years old what is your practice like what is your dad saying um, I know that you grew up in a military background um, and you know traveled around a little bit I guess but but what is that like obviously you know I I know you a little bit I know you're a, a, a very competitive guy but what was it like when you were 12 or 13 years old picking up a golf club um, for the first time and saying, and, and you know, I guess, I guess, how do you go from picking up a golf club at 12 or 13 and then at 16 playing in a USAM and, and, and then realizing, okay, you know what, I'm going to try to get even better. How, how do you make that jump? And there's more to the story too, with all, with your, with your junior career and your amateur career as well. But so how do you make that jump in three years? What does that look like? Um, that's, that's a pretty damn good question. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, my dad and I's relationship with regards to my golf game was pretty simple. Uh, you know, he went to work at, at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, dropped me off during the summers and picked me up at seven at night. So yeah. there really wasn't, you know, we, we played a little bit on the weekends, you know, sometimes in the afternoon when he would get off of work or when he wouldn't, wouldn't be deployed. But, um, you know, it, it was, it was, like I said, I, I, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it, it, it can be looked at or viewed as arrogant, but it really, I really did teach myself the game. It was not, um, you know, obviously I had help. I'm not sitting here saying that I didn't, sure. but, 
you know, cause everybody does, but um, it, it really was a lot of time on my own practicing on my own uh, hitting thousands of balls a week, uh, you know, um, during the summers and then, you know, trying to get out as much as I can during, during school. But, you know, I, I, I never, I didn't play. Uh, I think I played a total of two uh, junior tournaments um, throughout my entire, you know, basically that four or five years. Um, and then, you know, I played a lot of Hawaii amateur golf and then, you know, it just so happened that, that I played well enough during a, during, you know, a USAM qualifier, which was a one spotter and I happened to win it and, and, you know, I, I made to the USAM, but, you know, before that, I think I went from, you know, shooting, shooting in the nineties, shooting in the eighties to, you know, to scratch, I think within a year or two. Wow. Um, and before my sophomore summer, I was, a plus handicap. And during my sophomore summer, I, I shot 62 at my home course. So it was, it was not, um, it was not a, a, a slow ascent, uh, to that sort of, of ability. I won't say that, that, uh, that I had any, any sort of, uh, true, true, um, performance, uh, you know, because it was, it was, you know, the most kids at 15, 16, 17 years old are, playing in AJGA events and being scouted by the one of, you know, colleges. And, and so, you know, I, my whole thing was that I just so happened to qualify for USAM at 16. So, yeah. So, so at core, you know, we obviously when, when you're a beginner golfer, there's some amount of, you know, I guess mechanical work or lessons that you have to go through. Um, and sure you're hitting a ton of golf balls, when, when you were growing up and you were, you know, you were hitting a lot of golf balls, what was that experience like? Because I know, you know, coming from a coaching perspective, one of the things we want to do is make sure that a beginner has early success. So that way they stay interested in the game. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. so you chatted about, you know, shooting in the nineties and the eighties as you're starting and you're out there on your own as a 12, 13, 14 year old what were those hours like on the range? Were you playing games? Were you learning to shape shots? Were you playing a ton of golf? What, what was that like? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, first off, it's, 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 it's very difficult to see when you're, when you're hyper competitive, it's, it's very difficult to see, uh, you know, little things as, as success. Right. So, right. Um, you know, I think for, for most people, uh, the game of golf is is one of those things that that it humbles you in the first part. So, you know, for me, it, it was this idea that that I wanted to get to a place where I continued to hit the shots that I wanted to hit. And you know, I, I sat on the range, I hit hit off mats mostly, and and you know, I had a, a neighboring golf course where I grew up. It, it was you know, we had targets and and you know a, a pretty good range, I, I, I would say, but, you know, um, it was a lot of me just hitting as many balls as I possibly could and figuring out how to, you know, shape shots, like you were saying, and, and get to a place where, you know, I could repeat the movement, um, you know, however way I could, you know, whatever way I could. So, you know, a lot of guys like, you know, like Ricky Fowler talks about, you know, the little loop that he has in his swing or had in his swing, um, yeah. you know, from, hitting a, a, an adult driver uh, when he was a little kid. So, you know, that's the only way you could get the club around. And, 
you know, look, look at all the success that he's had. Um, you know, so that's not unlike how I, how I grew up, you know, I needed to hit the ball further and I wasn't a very big kid. So I figured out how to hook it and, you know, that's, that's pretty much how I got the ball to go and run out and, and, uh, you know, growing up in Hawaii, you know, you can't, um, you can't hit the ball high. So, you know, I figured out how to hit it low with a, with a big hook. Yeah. You know, so it's really interesting, you know, there's, there's some junior golfers that will, um, you know, they really thrive with coaching. And then there's others that, you know, it kind of sounds like, like you are really focused individual. And I know that to be true as well, you know, you know, having met you before, um, and, you know, pretty confident guy as well and, and competitive. So it seems like, you know, even though you don't necessarily have that much coaching as a junior golfer, um, that, that you're able to remain pretty focused, um, on the range and, and continuously, you know, trying to improve, you know, even from a young age, so that's, that's really impressive. Um, and, and, you know, you, you mentioned Ricky Fowler and his swing, um, and having seen you swing before you have a, you know, you know, you have a unique swing as well. Um, and if you look out on tour, you look on a range, all the swings are different, but so, coming from a background where, you know, you, you say you, you only play two, you know, you only play maybe two junior events, you're playing some Hawaii amateur events um, and you're playing up against guys that are, you know, thinking about, you know, turning professional at some stage from, from a very young age, how do you go about, you know, up until now you're into your professional career, how do you, how do you, analyze whether or not you need to make a swing change because obviously you've had some very awesome success um with with your unique swing so so how do you analyze whether or not you need to make a swing change or whether or not it's just um you know learning how to perform with what you have um yeah you know i think that i think that a lot of uh, part of um part of part of being a professional now is sort of, you know, constantly uh, questioning, you know, what can we do to get better, right? So, you know, you start with that question, and then you start to look at, you know, how many changes can I make, or what changes can I make that that will not hurt me in, you know, the very, very short term, and will ultimately help me. So, So it's kind of a balancing game, right? Ultimately help me in the long run. And, you know, as far as swing changes, you know, I've, I, I ran into a guy, uh, Tony Greco, who, who, you know, is, is, is a mentor of mine and a great friend and, and, and my coach. And, you know, one day he just decided that, that he was going to start helping me out. And, you know, I was at the range at, at Bear Creek in California and he kind of walked by and I don't know what he saw. I don't know what, you know, what, what his thing was, but, but, you know, since then that was almost three years ago. Um, you know, since then I've, I've grown astronomically, both, you know, physically and, you know, with my swing. And, you know, I look, I look, I have a video from 2010, which is like a year or two after I started playing golf and it's, it's just so much different, you know, and, and, and to be able to work the ball the way I'm able to now and to, to be able to hit the ball the way I am now is, is, it's not because I went out there and was like, okay, you know, how can I make swing changes to do this? It was like, okay, what can I do with what I have? And, and how can we slightly tweak it to, to make it better? Um, 
you know, I, I still have a wide stance with my driver. I still, you know, create a lot of speed with, with, you know, how much I shallow the club out with my hands and, uh-huh. and, you know, I still kind of, I still kind of release the club the same way. Um, but you look at, you know, the little things that, that only a teacher or only a, a, an experienced teacher would be able to see. Cause I definitely can't, I can, I can tell you the major things, but I, I can't tell you the little things that, that makes the ball do what it does. But, um, you know, so, so I've been guided by the right people and, and Tony's a great coach and, and, uh, you know, I've, I've had little tidbits along the way from, from some high profile guys and, and it's just sort of adding things to the bag, yeah. uh, you know, as I get more mature. Yeah. So, so you talk about adding, you know, Tony Greco to your, to your team. Um, and there's a there's a great video out there from uh, from this past year, a little interaction between you and your caddy, um, and it's 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 just you guys going through your your process on a tee, and basically there was a bunker that you were going to aim at, and I think it was I think in the video you say it's yeah. like 300 yards away, and mm-hmm. you say all right it's three iron, and and you're like is that all right, and and the cat and you know, end up saying, yeah, if, if, if three iron goes that far, then, then I've got a problem. Um, it's just a really kind of funny moment there out on the golf course, but what's really cool is then you kind of get yourself back into the shot. You take a deep breath in the video and, and, um, um, and you end up hitting a a great ball and you give a little club Mm -hmm. twirl and everything. But can you talk about, um, your caddy and, and how he has helped you grow, um, you know, having a great first full season out on the Corn Ferry Tour, looking into, you know, hopefully a, an even better second year. Um, just how he helps you out on the golf course, if you've learned anything from him um, and, and how your performance has, has uh, increased to a higher level um, from having, from, from having a, an awesome caddy that uh, can keep it light out on the golf course. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, funny thing is, is that was the first, that was the first week that Chris and I had worked together. Really? Wow. And uh, yeah, we had, we had met earlier that year. Uh, so, so John uh, was, his last name's Duffy. So we call him Duffy. Duffy was my caddy from, uh, you know, pretty much Savannah up until Alabama. Yep. Uh, he heard himself in Alabama and, and Chris took over the next week in Nashville and, you know, so, but, but Chris and I are very, very alike. And, and um, that comes from obviously his background in, in, you know, D1, D1 racing. And, and, you know, he was a, he was a pretty, uh, pretty accomplished uh, long distance runner uh, at South Carolina. And, you know, obviously, a, a, you know, a successful individual in his own right um, in business and whatnot. And, and so, you know, I have a ton of respect for him, which is, which, you know, can't be overstated um you know that he's he's become a great mentor of mine and and kind of like the older brother the much much older brother that that uh that you know has kind of come into the picture but um you know chris chris and i hit it off right away and you know his his whole thing is is that he's always going to be more prepared than me um it doesn't matter if i if i you know walk every inch of the golf course he's going to walk every half inch, you know, and, and it's, 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 you know, he's, he's so good at it and he's, he's a great guy, but also at the same time, he's, he's an absolute goofball like me. So, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, in that specific situation, 
which happened is funny the 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 instagram uh subtitles caught it a little off but it was actually a two iron okay gotcha and and the bunker was at 300 yards but uh you know what we were what we had planned on was that we were going to hit this iron and it was going to get us in the right position and and you know so really every now and then i'll i'll just say hey this is what we're doing and he goes yep that's what we're doing and then i go and do it so you know the idea was is, is that i've got you know 100 however many people following us at, at, on that day and and uh which which you know added to the experience but ultimately i'm a massive show off so you know it's it was it was sort of a it was sort of a moment to where i can completely be myself and pull off this idea that that you know i'm making a joke and you know keeping it light for everybody that's around there because a lot of us and and you know it's it's not it's not a dig on anybody else but you can see that a lot of guys nowadays are afraid to speak or you know or or be open or be themselves around people because it's just not, it's just not them or, you know, they're, they're, it's just not, just not what they're feeling at the moment, but I tend to keep it light anyways. And, and, uh, Chris just helps me, uh, keep focused and I was playing well at the time. So, um, you know, I had a good routine going, which is the breath and then the, and then the stripe show after that. So. Can you talk a little bit more about your pre-shot routine really quickly? Yeah, of course. Um, so years ago, the, the, uh, Cleveland had a, um, uh, a segment on there um, that uh, that basically outlined a lot of these things, and that's kind of where I learned a lot of a lot of the basic things that I that I know now um, with uh, David Pels. And um, so it was just this idea that your your routine needs to be the same every single time. Uh, and and this is not just like oh yeah I do the same things. No, this is this is every single time this is what I do and it takes this long. So, you know, if you can try to match that time, uh, you know, every single time it, it, it's, it's something your body will get used to. Um, and then just making the swing the way you want to make it is going to become that much easier. So, you know, obviously I, I visualize what I want to do after, you know, after pulling the club basically because all the deliberation and all that stuff isn't really the routine, but, although there is a routine with that as well. Um, you know, I pull the club, I stand behind it. You know, I try to feel the swing that I want to make, uh, stand back, visualize, breathe it out, and then stand over and let it rip. Yeah. I know uh, my, my co-host uh, is not on here with us, but I know that he's smiling, uh, listening to this back because he's really big on, on the pre-shot routine. Um, and that's something that we try to instill in our juniors uh, up at core um, right from the very start is getting a pre-shot routine and thinking clearly. And it's, and it's really cool, you know, to have seen that video with you and your caddy, um, you know, out on, on a really big stage, um, you know, taking that to taking your route, your routine to, to an awesome level and, and even getting so comfortable that you're able to be a little bit jovial with the crowd. So, um, that was pretty cool to see. Um, Brent, so let's, let's take it back just one more step and, and, you know, when you were a junior and, you know, you qualified for the USAM, um, you played in the Sony Open as an amateur. Um, from then to now, how has your on-course, um, you know, style of play changed? How has your course management changed? And what differences do you see in how you handle being out there as the stage continues to get bigger? 
Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's sort of the whole, this, this is sort of the whole thing, right? This is how you mature as a golfer. So, um, you know, I, I have always been, uh, very, very aggressive. Um, there's not really any other way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, hyper aggressive, I guess you could say, um, you know, and that just comes from, you know, playing a lot of skins games and a lot of money games growing up. And that's just sort of how you become, uh, over time. And so, you know, when I made it to the Sony, uh, that was still, you know, I think I was 20. Yeah, just just about to turn 21. Um, you know, I was still had no idea what course management was. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't understand that that you shouldn't go at every flag stick because to me, I've hit the shots before. So why can't I do it again? Um, you know, and so this idea, this idea of going to the fat of the green, as Tiger would say, is 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 sort of um, fairly new, you know, it's, it's not something that I like doing. Um, but as my scores go lower, you know, get lower, uh, I, I like it a lot more. So, you know, that, that, that's only happened. I mean, if I'm being honest and this sounds so far fetched, but it's really only happened within the last two years of, of being on the corn Frick tour, you know, even during Q school, um, you know, with this last time in 2019, I had my coach on the bag, I Tony on the bag and, there were shots that I pulled off that, that, you know, like in the final round I had, I had made two Eagles and, and, you know, they were from under a tree and, you know, some crazy, crazy stuff. And, and, you know, obviously again, you know, it's stuff that I like doing because, you know, it's, it's something that, that all the greats have done and they've pulled the shots off when they need, they needed them. And I am by no means a great, but I, I do, I do truly believe that there's not really a shot that I can't pull off. And so you know, it's, it's removing that ego, this, this, oh, well, I can do anything and realizing that, um, yes, you may be able to do anything you want, but how about you just hit it to 15 feet to the right of the stick rather than trying to go right at it? Because if you miss it left, it's bogey or worse. And that becomes, that is like, that's a, a pure undisputed fact when it comes to tour professional golf. You know, in college, uh, you know, you can get away with some stuff. Junior golf, obviously, you can get away get away with some stuff. But when you're on the when you're on the Corn Ferry Tour, European Tour, the PGA Tour, whatnot, um, you know, you miss it to a short sided pin, you are dead. Period. Yeah. And there's no there's no coming back from it. And the bogey that you make because you decided to try to hit some hero shot when you could have made at worst a par. Um, you know, is, is, is more than just, you know, plus one, it's plus one in your, in your brain, on your body and all these things. So it's kind of a cascading effect. Um, and like I said, I, I, I can't say that I came to this conclusion on my own because it was a lot of, a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of banging my head against the wall to try to figure it out and had a lot of good help. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a journey and, and we're really at the beginning of it. Yeah. So, so it's interesting that you talk about belief. Belief is a, is a really big thing and, and, you know, being confident in your ability and everything um, is, is so, so important, especially as you get on tour and you're starting to play with the best of the best. So one of the questions that I, that I have for you is, you know, you are, you're the, the longest driver on the Corn Ferry Tour at, I think, just over 324 yards. You're longer than Bryson uh, for the average I think maybe the only person that, that comes to mind that might be a longer driver than you is, is Wilco Nina Burr. I know I, I 
butcher that last name, but a really long player uh, on the European tour. So do you, where, where do you get your kind of wave of confidence from? Is it from really long drives, um, which obviously gives you a little bit of an edge on the stat sheet, or is it, um, is it something else that gets you a little bit of a mental edge uh, when you perform your best? That's yeah. <laughs> so this gets a little touchy, so you'll have to, you'll have to forgive me. But so when it comes to self-belief, um, the first thing is, is and, and this is a, this is a fairly new concept for me. This is something that, that, um, you know, is with, has been within the last, you know, two to three years. And, and, uh, you know, so the first thing is, is, is I have, I have, I have deep faith in, uh, in God and, uh, my family and the team that I have. Um, you know, it, I don't come into the equation until, um, until it's time to hit the shot. So, you know, everything else really is, I've been blessed to, to come across the people that I have. Um, you know, it started, it started obviously with my family, but, uh, but Kevin Duenas, uh, is my trainer over in California and Kevin, uh, was the first kind of the first piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, allowed me, allowed me the space to sort of become the meathead that I always wanted to be and, and, um, you know, gain the weight and gain the muscle mass that, that I'd never had. And, and so that, that start, the confidence starts there. Uh, and then obviously with Tony, uh, being probably, I, I mean, I would take him over any golf coach in the world as far as actually being able to play and, and perform, uh, at a high level, I mean, even to this day, I mean, I, I think he'll be on the senior tour here in a few years, but, um, you know, it, it starts, you know, and then keeps going with there. And then, and then I've, you know, I've, I've, I've run into a few more people that I've added to the team. And then, and then the rest of it is really just being a hyper competitive person. And I've been allowed the space to sort of puff the chest out a little bit and, and hit the thing and do the things that I want to do. Um, but none of that is possible without the team and without the faith that I have. So, um, you know, and so ultimately when it comes down to it, if I'm, if you're seeing me on a practice tee jamming out to whatever I'm jamming out to on the range, you know, none of that is, is necessarily directed outward at anybody. Um, but everybody knows, and I, and, and everybody knows that, that, um, you know, the way I, the way I am is, is authentic. And I, and again, I take pride in that. And so, you know, when it comes to me against anybody else, it's sort of, it's sort of the idea that, well, I know I can hit it better than you. And, you know, there's not really, there's not really anybody that's going to outwork me. Um, and so, you know, I sort of, I sort of look, I sort of look to Tiger and the way he dealt with it, which is to say that exact thing. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's a blessing and I can't, and I can't say that enough. It's not something that, you know, I woke up one day and I decided that's the way it was going to be. It was, it was something that happened over time. And, and again, I'm blessed to, to have it continue to happen. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting that you, you talk about being so authentic and everything. And, and, you know, I know, you know, a little bit about my background coming from, you know, just, just working with, um, with Ian Poulter and being around him and, and he, you know, much like you, he's a very authentic person. He is a unique mm -hmm. person. Um, when he got out on tour, he was known for his crazy outfits and his love of fashion and cars and, and, um, you know, being outlandish with what he wears and everything. And, 
Um, but the one thing we've, we've chatted about it before here on, on the podcast is how he always has his chest out and he's so confident in his abilities. And, you know, even today, being one of the older players out on tour, he's still so confident that he can go out and, and hit it better and perform better than, than the young guys that are coming out. Um, and it's, and it's, again, it's, it's just kind of like what you, what you said, it's, it's, you know, belief in the team that he has around him and everybody um, and his family and, and everything, um, you know, surrounding that and, and the, the people that allow him, you know, now to go out and play on tour because everything's taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I love that you mentioned that. And I, and I know you're a very authentic guy too. So it's, it's great to see that come out, um, you know, in your play out on tour. Um, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Brent. So w- can you just tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about what, what you have going on now for the Corn Ferry Tour in 2022 and, and what you're looking forward to most um, and what you've been doing to prepare? Yeah, man. Uh, you're not taking up any time at all, first of all. Uh, but I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, so, I, so we have a couple events in January uh, that, uh, that everybody else is getting ready for. I've decided that, that I'm not going to play in the first three events um, which is two in the, two in the Bahamas. And then the third one is in Panama. Um, you know, just for, it, it just doesn't suit the, the schedule, doesn't suit finances and so on. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, me and my team have decided to do something else. And so what I'm going to do is, is, uh, I'm going to go down to Hawaii and I'm going to, I've applied for an exemption there. Uh, not a hundred, I probably won't get it. Um, and, and so just because it's, it's, it's tough to get, to get an exemption in the first tournament anyways, but, uh, I'll head down and, and Monday qualify and hopefully get in. And then, uh, I think I've got the farmer's insurance qualifiers at Bear Creek, which I was a member at for a few years. So I'll go play that again. Uh, and then fortunately I'm here for the Phoenix open as well. So, uh, I'll play that Monday qualifier. So the first couple of, you know, the first basically five weeks of the year, um, of the calendar year are, are sort of dedicated to kind of traveling around a little bit and playing some qualifiers to try to make some extra money to, to, you know, really set me up for the rest of the year. And then uh, I get going in Bogota at probably one of our biggest events and an event that I absolutely loved going to uh, in 2020. And I, I was bummed that we couldn't go uh, this year um, or this last year, I should say, but, um, and then we go Bogota, Lecom, and then we're, we're off to the races. And, uh, you know, hopefully this year we can, we can have uh, some more top fives and, and maybe a win or two. And then, and then I won't need to apply for an exemption in the zoning. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Brent Grant, uh, thank you so much for your time. We, we wish you the best of luck this year uh, on the Corner Ferry Tour, and we hope to see you uh, climbing the ranks uh, even higher than you did this past year. Best of luck to you, Brent. Thanks so much for coming Thanks. on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Core Performance Podcast. Your one-stop shop for getting to the core of all things golf and human performance. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ian and Andrew, check us out on Instagram at Core Academy. We'll see you next time.